0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode 30 of the first season of the Postcast. My name is Sean Fairholm, and I'm here with Cassie Stein. What a week we had in the world of, of professional and amateur golf. The U.S. team won the Solheim Cup in convincing fashion, sans controversy this time. Doc Redmond won the U.S. Amateur at the Riv in really amazing fashion, coming from two down with two to to play against Doug Gim. And Henrik Stenson got his first win since the 2016 Open Championship when he captured the Wyndham Championship. Really cool finish to that one as well. Cassie, could you pick a favorite one this weekend?
1: I think I can. It. I was wildly obsessed with the Solheim Cup this weekend. I watched every, no joke, I watched every shot that was shown on TV. It was such incredible golf to the walk-up music on the first tee with everyone dancing when they came up, <laughs> to Danielle Kang, the Solheim Cup rookie, showing her personality and just her game in general. Christy Kerr, 39 years old, walking in putts from like three feet out of the hole to the singles showdown with Anna Nordquist and Lexi Thompson on Sunday. I just loved everything about the Solheim Cup. And um, our Steve Eubanks wrote a column saying, if you didn't watch Saturday at the Solheim Cup, you missed out. If you didn't watch any of the Solheim Cup, you are, I don't I don't know. You just totally missed out on every anything. You need to check your fan card is what mm-hmm. he said. And I totally agree with him. And then the U.S. Amateur on Saturday, Sunday. Sunday was not a disappointment. What Doc Redmond did coming down the stretch, making that 50 footer for Eagle, um, what was it, on the 35th hole, and then sticking it, what, to six, seven, eight feet on um, the 36th hole, number 18 at the Riv, making Birdie staying calm, cool, and collective on the 37th it was just incredible. There was so much drama. I mean, just what a weekend for women's golf and amateur golf. I honestly never wanted it to end, and I want more weekends like that one.
0: I think women's golf, this may have been the best weekend of the year in 2017 for women's golf. Hands hands down. Because they, I mean, this is the event in Iowa and how many tickets they sold. And, I mean, they had 125,000 people there, and um, you're not watching a full field of players. It's only a few groups. And, I mean, there were just people everywhere in Iowa. I thought it was amazing. And also... NBC for the first time showed the Solheim Cup on, you know, on, on broadcast. And I think that is another big aspect to the, to growing women's golf is, you know, it just wasn't just on Golf Channel this time. It was also on NBC and and everyone got to see this amazing, amazing product that, that is out there with, with the women's game right now. And uh, the U.S. amateur to me may have been it came very close to matching the Solheim Cup just because of the way that Docker had been finished. Eagle birdie on the last two holes and then the playoff. To, to hit that incredible tee shot on the par four 10th, one of the best short par fours in the world. And then to be able to, to close it out like that. Um, pretty awesome. Both him and Doug Gim being in the Walker cup and man, really looking forward to the Walker cup in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. I think there's a huge dent on my couch in my living room <laughs> just because I sat there all weekend long. Like it was such good golf. Honestly, I can't get over it. Like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, and uh, we have some more with the FedEx Cup coming up and the Walker Cup, and we, we have some some golf to be played, but maybe the best weekend of the year for overall in 2017. Hard to argue.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. That, that was just incredible. And then we got the news on Sunday night about the Walker Cup team, the Team USA. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so a little bit of controversy in terms of who got picked. Um, I think a lot of these names we, we kind of saw coming, uh, Brayden Thornberry, you know, the NCAA champ was definitely going to be involved. You know, he finished T4, the FedEx St. Jude classic was all the way going to be, uh, you know, on the Walker cup team, Maverick McNeely, another obvious selection. Then we had a couple that, people kind of scratched their heads, you know, Sam Burns being left off, the Division I Player of the Year, and he didn't have a bad summer either. He was top five of the Northeast Amateur. He finished T6 at a PGA Tour event at the, at the Barber Soul, for crying out loud. And uh, he loses in the first round of match play at the U.S. Amateur. And Will Zalatoris, who many felt did not do enough to be able to get into the Walker Cup, he gets into the Sweet 16 at the U.S. Amateur, and he ends up getting on the team while Sam Burns is left out. That, to me, was definitely maybe the the biggest controversy in terms of the selections.
1: Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I, I mean, I, I did not see this one coming. Um, I thought Sam Burns was for sure a lock on the team. And honestly, I thought mid-amateur Scott Harvey was on um, going to be on the team too. And I know that they said that two mid-ams were not Totally going to be on the team. They made that announcement earlier this year. Um, Global Golf Post broke that news. But I still thought with his leadership and how he played over the summer, and even he was the runner-up last year at the 2016 U.S. um, Mid-Am, I thought he was just going to bring that leadership to the locker room because him and Maverick McNeely were only going to be the two returners. I thought he would have brought a lot to the team and just a lot to the locker room, and I was very surprised when his name was not called either. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I got a lot of questions on Twitter about Sam Burns not being picked and why Will Zalatoris got picked over it. Obviously, the U.S. team is very, very good on paper. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's just, it just comes as a shock that there's no um, accountability for the USGA to make those picks and not tell us what the selection, how, how it, how it came about. I guess.
0: Yeah, I found it interesting. You know, Spider Miller has no say in who gets chosen, which which to me is kind of uh, just a really strange situation. The captain of the U.S. team really doesn't really have much of a say at all in terms of who gets on the team. And it looked like Jim Nugent wrote about this. USGA pedigree had a big factor here because both Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris, they're, they're U.S. junior amateur winners. And I think that really played a key role in this. And, uh, of course, Scotty Scheffler was a low end of the U.S. Open as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, unfortunately, that really seemed to have a big uh, impact on who got chosen. I would have went with Sam Burns and Scott Harvey just because, you know, Scott won the Coleman. He won the, the George C. Thomas earlier in the year. He qualified for the U.S. Open. Uh, he has the experience. He played in the in, in Walker Cup. I don't. I really don't understand how Sam Burns and, and Scott Harvey weren't weren't picked, and uh, and I wasn't really all that impressed with uh, with, with and Scheffler being picked. So I, I I'm a little bit disappointed. Obviously, like you said, the U.S. team is so talented, but I think they could have been a little better off if they would have gone with, gone with Burns and Harvey. We're gonna move on to uh, talk about the Solheim Cup here. I know we just talked about it a little bit, but we're gonna bring on Steve Eubanks, who was. Live there in Weston, Moyne, Iowa, to witness the whole scene. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how the Solheim Cup went down and also a little bit about the possible partnership between the Ladies European Tour and the LPGA. So let's listen to that interview now.
1: And now we welcome on our LPGA insider, Steve Eubanks, to the postcast. Steve, before we get into last weekend's Solheim Cup, we need to know more about this hole in one you made yesterday.
2: You know, I was invited to play the number one course in Iowa, the Harvester, and uh, I got to tell you, it was an extraordinary golf course, uh, and I'm not saying that because I made a one. It mm-hmm. really was tremendous, but uh, yeah, the, the wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour. We'd had, just had a storm come through. We had a 200-yard par three, dead into the wind, and I hit a little cut three wood and thought, wow, that might be pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. And then my daughter, who was playing with me, said, oh, by the way, it went in. So, uh, oh
1: my gosh <laughs>
2: yeah i mean I, my eyesight's so bad i haven't seen a 200 yard shot come down in 10 years so i didn't <laughs> get to see it but but yeah it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun
1: and how many do you have now that's my fourth
2: that was oh, my boy. fourth so yeah it was it was uh uh you know uh, they're always a thrill so it was uh it's always great to go up and get the ball out of the hole you know I, I did have a 16 year old there to give me grief about it. So, <laughs> very <all> nice. <laughs> Maybe you can well, share congrats. one of those uh, awesome. hole in ones with us sometime. Yeah, yeah big. I'll do my best.
0: Steve, <laughs> <laughs> so you've been covering the Solheim Cup for a long time now, and we've we've really seen this event becoming one of the the most exciting in our sport. It gets bigger every single time. What
2: grade would you give the the West Des Moines community and the experience overall? There's nothing more than an A, or I would give it to them (laughs) because it was unbelievable. I've never seen, not just a Solheim Cup, I've never seen a golf event like this. Hmm. I mean, they they were, I know they they put out the numbers and it was right at 125,000 people that had shown up for this thing. It looked like a million. Um, I've never because obviously you're only following four groups on Friday and Saturday. And then, you know, you've got just the 12 singles matches on Sunday. So it's all very compressed Uh, and they couldn't have been better. The community, everything about it. They went so out of their way to make you feel welcome and and, uh, uh, to put on a great show and to show a lot of sportsmanship and to be incredibly enthusiastic. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how anybody from either side could walk away from this and, and uh, give it anything other than, uh, than the top grade. Uh, in every respect, and I'm not talking about just the um, just the community, but the level of play, my goodness, has anybody seen golf that good? I know I have, and it was really something.
1: Yeah, it, it was incredible to watch on TV. I was glued from start to finish, that's for sure. And um, speaking of the golf, there was a lot of stars that emerged for the U.S. We'll talk about Danielle Kang in a second, but another one that stood out was Christy Kerr. At age 39, she she went three zero and one, holding big putt after big putt. What did her leadership end up meaning to this team?
2: Oh, I think it was tremendous. I mean, you know, obviously the the there's there's some subtlety to leadership in in that uh, you you just want someone to be out there and lead by example, uh, and, and everyone else says, well, "Gosh, Kerr's getting it done. Why can't the rest of us go get it done?" And I think that's sort of what you had there. Uh, you also had her. The partnership that she has she has uh, developed with Lexi Thompson since really the very first UL International Crown uh, has been just just ex- exemplary, and I think that that showed this time around, and and um, I, it, it just couldn't have been better in every respect. That
0: putt she made on Friday morning to get that have early on in the in, in the Solheim Cup that was a pretty big moment, wasn't it?
2: It was a huge moment because we were in danger of going down in these matches early, um, and you know when you, you being able to split that first session on Friday morning was a huge boost uh, for the Americans. And in order to get that, of course, they had to have uh, they had to have Kerr making that putt. And it was uh, you know because that that match looked as though it was going the Europeans' way from the get go, mm. uh, and to have them rally the way they did and, and walk away with a half was uh, was pretty special.
0: You know, so often events like these tend to you know, catapult a career. I, I think of a Brooks Koepka last year at the Ryder Cup as an example. And, and one player that really came to the forefront, not only with her play, but with her personality, was Danielle King. We saw her win at the KPMG earlier in the year, but her her energy was really on full display right from the, the, the Friday morning when she when she pumped the crowd up and had them cheering right through her opening opening shot. Um, that that was, such, was such a key for kind of setting the tone for, throughout the entire Solheim Cup.
2: You, you know, leaders come from, from very strange locations sometimes. And I don't think going into this thing, anyone thought Danielle Kang would emerge as a leader on this team. She's a rookie. Um, you know, she, she's a—I mean, I hate to say this. She's a little bit of a drama queen, and I, and I mean that in all sincerity and kindness. But uh, for her to go out the way she did, to pump up the crowd, to rally her teammates— I mean, she's walking around with Lisette Salas, and Lizette would miss a putt, and as they're going to the next tee, Daniela put her arm around her and say, "Okay, tell me three things that were good about that putt you just hit," <laughs> and would make her come up with three things. I mean, sometimes it was something as silly as my hair was in the right spot, um, but you know, she, she just she she kept everybody positive. She kept injecting that enthusiasm, and and you know, it, it worked. I mean, nobody. Got down. She was always there for her teammates. She was walking right beside people. She was talking the whole time. Um, it, it was it was a kind of leadership that only comes naturally. It can't be taught. And uh, I, I think that we'll be lo- talking about Danielle Kang for many Solheim Cups to come uh, because of the performance she had here.
1: Steve, let's move to the other side of the Atlantic for a moment. The European team—they were obviously not as qu- quite as deep as the Americans—and we're dealing with some key injuries. It was a tall order for them, no doubt. But how well do you think Annika captained the team, given the circumstances?
2: Oh, as well as could be expected. Look, there's only so much you can do when you're outgunned the way she was outgunned. I mean, there's um, and she did an extraordinary job in getting those players to play to their absolute best. If you look at Saturday afternoon, holy smokes, that was some of the best golf we've seen ever. Uh, the European team, for example, in the 4 wall matches on Saturday afternoon, had 35 birdies and an eagle among eight of them. That's, I mean, that's as good as it gets. They lost three of those four matches. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how you, how you do better than that. What do you say to your team after something that, like that happens? Um, and, I mean, it's almost like, you know, in a basketball game, you go out and you shoot 50% from the floor and your opponent shoots 65%. I mean, there's nothing more you can do. So, I. I I think she did as well as could be expected. I think that the team played as well as could be expected. But, uh, you know, it was just the Americans were just better on this week.
0: Should she get another chance to captain the Solheim Cup team?
2: If she wants it, I don't think anybody would stand in her way. She said on Sunday night that that she always thought this was going to be a one and done. Mm. Um, That, that, you know, there were plenty of people in line waiting. Uh, And I think Katrina Matthew will be the next one, quite frankly, because it is in Scotland. Uh, because she has been such uh, an incredible leader uh, on the team for so many years, and, uh, and everybody loves her. I mean, there's not not a person on on either side of the Atlantic who just doesn't doesn't think the world of Katrina Matthews. So so it would be uh, uh, it would be in my estimation a shame if she did not uh, she did not captain a Glen Eagle.
0: And Katrina played pretty well in Suzanne Patterson's uh, as Suzanne Patterson's replacement. So uh,
2: absolutely, she did. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Steve, we want to get into a little bit about the uh, the struggling ladies European tour. They've only had a few events so far in 2017. And our own lean mayor wrote that a, a partnership between the LPGA and LET appears to be on the horizon right now. And many are spe- are speculating about the Symmetra tour and the LET both possibly benefiting from each other here in the near future. What's your inclina- inclination as to what happens next?
2: You know, the 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 infusion of the European tour into this mix, I think, as, as a as a co-partner with the LPGA in rescuing the LET, I think it kind of eliminates any of the uh, uh, any of the hesitation that the people in Europe may have had. I mean, the, the hesitation has always been, well, this is, a you know, this is like an American takeover of our tour. Um, and I, I, I understand and that, but look, your tour was going down, you know, was, was sinking fast. I mean, if, you, you know, it was either this or it's just going to go away entirely because seven events a year is not going to get it done. Uh, and that's how many they've had so far this year. I mean, poor Georgia Hall, uh, uh, had played in one event in the last two months when mm-hmm. she showed up. You just can't, you can't get your game in good shape, uh, when, when you're trying to do something like that. That's not really a legitimate tour at that point. Um, Mike Wan had told me over a year ago that the they, the uh, the LPGA, his vision had always been that they have twice as the number of events on the LET as they do now at half the purse. Uh, and the reason he wanted to do that was he wanted to have more events, but give the youngsters over there who wanted to eventually play on the LPGA tour an opportunity to develop and to work their way on there, very much like Americans are able to do on the Symmetra tour. And so if you have... A young girl from England, or from Sweden, or from Germany, an 18-year-old doesn't have to load up and move across the Atlantic in order to get that kind of experience. They can stay home. Uh, They can they can you know perhaps not make as much money, but they can play in a number of events and develop their game so that they are ready to make the leap to the next level. And I think I think that's eventually what you will end up seeing from the LET. But um, you know, hopefully, it happens quickly because they don't they they really are uh, on their last gasp.
1: You know, it feels like every year women's golf pushes itself to a little higher level, especially when you have events like the Solheim Cup and you just brought up Mike Juan. Can you just talk a little bit about the job he has done because the LPGA has had some tough times and not and not that long ago things have really turned around in a major major way.
2: Uh, he's he's the best commissioner in sports, not in golf. He's the best commissioner in sports. The turnaround job he yeah, he has done uh, from the days when there was, there was actually a question if the LPGA would even survive. Uh, the turnaround that, that has taken place over the last uh, number of years that he has been there, um, I, I think people will be studying it in sports marketing school forever uh, because there has never been anything like this. And, you know, granted, you can say, well, he had an influx of great players. Indeed, he did. But there were great players under the, la- under the other regimes as well. Uh, and they were unable to capitalize on it, unable to generate uh, the marketing buzz that Mike Wan has been able to generate, unable to go to his corporate partners and say to them, look, our product is wor- will work for you. Uh, and it has. I mean, when you look at someone like a CME, like Rolex, um, you know, the, the, these are major corporate partners like a, UL, like a UL. I mean, what business does UL have to be in women's golf? And they've signed on in a huge way. So this is this in its whole has been uh, one of the best, I think, stories of the last generation. Uh, Terry Duffy, who is the CEO of CME, uh, he ran his own um, pro-am. And so he was sort of like, well, why in the world do I need to sponsor a tour event? I've got a pro-am. I'm getting the best players anyway. All my customers are happy. What's my upside? And Juan was able to go in and convince him that the level of commitment needed to not only have an event, but to be involved in the, the race to the globe um, really would, would elevate his brand, and that association would be, uh, would be something to, uh, uh, to carry forward. And it worked. It, it has worked better than anyone could have possibly imagined. KPMG is another example. I mean, just bringing in that level of sponsorship, uh has been has just been a, a boom for women's golf overall uh and i don't i think we haven't seen the end of it i think there'll be more of those kinds of partnerships in the future steve great stuff we're very excited for the future of women's golf and um definitely look forward to your continuing coverage of it well thank you guys it's always a pleasure anytime i can help you out let me know
1: Thanks again to Steve Eubanks, our LPGA Insider, for joining us and talking a little bit about the Solheim Cup, um, some players that really stood out to us. And then he talked about the Ladies European Tour a little bit and the LPGA partnership and European Tour partnership that's going to come about of that. Um, Sean, what do you think about that partnership? And I know it was breaking news over the weekend. We broke it to the golf world. But just talk a little bit about that. Do you agree with what Steve said or do you not agree?
0: Yeah, well, they have no choice, right? I mean, they, they, exactly. they, they've they lost their, uh, their head man, their their CEO there. And um, they've only had seven tournaments in this year, as Steve mentioned. And, you know, players like Flore- Florentina Parker and Georgia Hall are pretty much left out to dry. And you could tell that they really did not have anywhere near the depth out of the players who automatically qualified for, for the Solheim Cup. And I think they definitely, they need an overhaul. And it. it Kind of seems like this is it for them. I mean, they either take this or, uh, you know, it's it's going to be the end of the, the ladies' European tour. And with the history of that tour, that would be a, t- a total shame.
1: Yeah, I, I think they need to get this under control and get it under control very, very quickly because if they lose this, I think it'd just be just a disaster for women's golf because this is one of the right, you know, this is one of the rising tours where you go up and then you get to play on the LPGA. So, um, I love the part where Steve said they they want more tournaments, but if they can get smaller purses, that would be, be ideal because that allows the players to develop their games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's most important in this. And, you know, he mentioned, like, they don't, as an 18-year-old, they don't have to cross the Atlantic, pick up everything they've ever known, cross the Atlantic, and then play in America for the first time, you know, on the Symmetric Tour. I think that would be really, really great if, The partnership between the LPGA, European Tour, and the LET can come together and really help out these young women and their golf games.
0: And what about the possibility of some, some co-sanctioned events between the Symmetra Tour and the LET? Maybe mm-hmm. have kind of a swing where the Symmetra Tour, I know it, it is a very expensive to travel ac- you know, across the country, but, you know, maybe have a swing where uh, there, there are a few v- events in the British Isles, maybe a, a month, you know, at the end of the season where there are four right. events in the, in the British Isles and you can go over and they're all relatively close to each other. And as a Symmetra Tour player, you can go over and, you know, stay around the same area, play four tournaments and, you know, that adds another four tournaments that the LAT players can kind of get into. So, you know, that's another possibility.
1: Yeah, and you can do the same thing over here, then come over here, play a couple sure. tournaments in the southeast. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, th- I think I think that would be great for both sides. And and then you get that feeling of, you know, maybe I want to go play in Europe for a year, you know, or maybe I can I can make it across the Atlantic and I can play. On the Symmetry Tour, I can play on the LPGA. So I think there are a lot of different options, and and hopefully, Mike Juan, he's done wonders with the LPGA, like Steve mentioned, like we've mentioned in the past, that he can get this under control and really just help out the women's game more than he already has.
0: And the talent coming into the LPGA Tour has never been higher. And the amount of players who are trying to qualify for the LPGA Tour has never been higher. I believe it was somewhere around 240 players in 2013. And now it's over, you know, th- around 340 players or so now that are, you know, uh, attempting to, to get their LPGA Tour card. Interest has never been higher. And th- there's so many talented players now that are coming out. And uh, this is definitely a good time for women's golf up here in the next, you know, five to ten years for sure.
1: Yeah, and just I I think this this weekend just really helped out and it just showed the world what these women can do. So, hopefully women's golf can only go up from here, which I'm very excited about.
0: Absolutely. And so we've talked about the the Solheim Cup, we've talked about the US Amateur, and uh, we talked a little bit about the Wyndham Championship with Henrik Stenson getting getting a win there. Let's go into the schedule for, for this week and of course, you know, really, the, the biggest event that we have left on the calendar here, the couple of biggest events we have are the FedEx Cup playoffs, um, the President's Cup and the Evian Championship. That's really the biggest events we have on the calendar in the next little while. And we're going to start the FedEx Cup playoffs at the Northern Trust, the uh, opening round of the playoffs with the top 125 on the tour at uh, Glen Oaks Club in Westbury, New York. How do you like the playoffs so far? We, we've had it for about a decade now, and it seems to kind of be a nice conclusion to the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't like winning ten million dollars at the end of the <laughs> end of the playoffs, right? <laughs> actually, no. Last last year was very fun to watch with. Um, who was it? Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy, and mm-hmm. you know there was someone else up there, and you know it was all like just to who was going to win that big pot, and I I think that that makes it really exciting, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's great. I, I actually really like it, and I like you know in what is it twenty nineteen where it's all going to be moved up a little bit. So um, I think it's it's a it's a great finish. I really enjoy the playoffs because the the field gets smaller and you get to see who the best players are at the end of the year and and who wins. It's it's great.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's always nice to finish before football season. So I'm going to be looking forward to that in 2019.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I think a lot of people are even even the PGA Tour in general. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The web.com tour is at the Winco Foods Portland Open at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club in North Plains, Oregon. Ryan Brem is the defending champ. And after this event, there are only four more events on the web.com tour this season. So with that, here are your top five players on the 25 to watch, as they like to call it. Andrew Landry, Steven Yeager, Taylor Gooch, Kyle Thompson, and Chesson Hadley.
0: Very nice. Taylor Gooch won last week and catapulted up to the third in the standings, so... Very nice, pretty good crop of uh, players there that we'll see on the PGA Tour next next year. The uh, LPGA is at the Canadian Pacific Women's Open, and that is at Ottawa Hunt and Golf Club, where 90 of the top players in the money list are in the field. Brooke Henderson grew up 60 kilometers, we use kilometers, we're in, we're in Canada, of course, away from the course and leads a contingent of 14 Canadians in the field. Definitely looking forward to that. Hopefully they can build the momentum of the Solheim Cup and uh, get a good audience for that one.
1: Sean, you're Canadian, aren't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm from Toronto, not from <laughs> Ottawa. Yeah, we, we look down on Ottawa people. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. The let's capital of Canada, for
0: those wondering. <laughs>
1: uh, let's move um, the other side of the Atlantic. The European tour is at the Maiden in Denmark at Himmerland Golf and Res- uh, Spa Resort in Farso, Denmark. Martin Keimer, Martin um, Keimer. Denmark's own Thorbjorn Olsen, Thomas Peters, just to name a few are in the field this week. But the biggest news coming out of the European tour is that they went back to their old website. Yes. Yay. I know that some people are really thrilled about this because the old website was just not working for some people. It was very slow. And um, the CEO, Keith Pele, um, he came out and, um, you know, made a statement about it, actually, and said that we weren't very happy about it either. So we went back to the old website. And um, I think that's great news. So, um, yeah, couldn't, I'm excited be about happier.
0: it. Couldn't be yeah, happier. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, honestly. I, I love the old website. That's the one that they should stick with until they're 100% sure the, the next one's going to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, Yay.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to go on to the uh, PGA Tour champions. They're at the Boeing Classic, and that is at the club at Snoqualmie Ridge in Washington State. This course looks incredible. It has like huge, massive mountains overlooking it. Um, I may tune in just for that sole reason. I don't know about
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad reason to tune in That's at not all. a bad
0: reason. I love mountain <laughs> golf. Maybe my favorite type of golf. So a yeah. little, little bit obsessed. And with that, sure. we're going to move on to uh, Bingo Bingo Bongo. And we'll recap the Wyndham Championship and then move on to the uh, the Northern Trust this week.
1: Do we really have to recap? Because cast. Cassie really struggled last week.
0: Yeah, it was a little rough. Yeah, we, we both were on the Bud Collie train, and uh, he didn't yeah. play horribly, but you know he he wasn't really in contention at any point in T42.
1: Yeah, and I had Chris Stroud to win, and he missed the cut, and I had Webb Simpson to miss the cut, and he was leading for a lot of the <laughs> tournament, and he finished third. So I am just on a roll this year again yeah, so I,
0: I couldn't help but think of you on thursday morning where, where yeah. rob simpson comes out and he's like threatening to shoot 59 he like couldn't miss a putt and oh man just your luck this year i mean both of our I, lucks but definitely
1: And go yeah just, fuego.
0: that's just the way it works yeah i had hung Tao lee to to play well as my sleeper he missed the cut and uh, kevin kisner to miss the cut he finished t42 so, uh, nothing, nothing working for us there. But, you know, it's playoff time, and we're going to step our games up here, and I'm, I'm ready to uh, to take this on. So, who do you have winning the Northern Trust?
1: I have Ricky Fowler winning. All
0: right, all right. He's
1: had an unbelievable summer. Um, he has six top tens, two of which are in the majors, and he tops the tour in strokes game putting. I just feel like he's playing just so loose. Um, he's got another girlfriend. She's a United States pole vaulter. I think everyone's seen that on social media now. And I think that does well for him. I think it just relaxes him. And um, he has a really great support system from his family to his friends. Obviously, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Smiley Kaufman. You know, they're all boys. So I can just see I can see Ricky making a run to win the Fed Cup over the next few weeks. I'm excited to see where his game is at after what he have a, a week or two off after the PGA championship.
0: So forgive me, I, I missed this. So I need I need an update on Ricky's girlfriend situation. So I know at the players, he's like he's long since dumped that girl that was with him. Yes, at the players yes. championship in what was it 2016? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so he is,
1: he's so he's moved, moved on. on. Yes. He, he's. Uh, I think he met. The, I would assume that he met her um, at the Olympics last year. Okay. And she's the United States pole vaulter. And, yeah, they've been hot and heavy on social media.
0: So, nice. so we've, we found yeah. Ricky a girl after he yes. won after the, at yes. the, after the Ryder Cup. Okay, good.
1: Yeah. Good. That is exactly it.
0: Definitely. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page
1: now. <laughs> I'm glad we're all caught up on uh, the gossip of the PGA Tour.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with Charlie Hoffman to win the Northern Trust. He's 11th in the Facts Cup points. He's the, the highest total of points without having won an event this year and he's played so well in the majors you know he was he had that 65 on thursday at the masters then he played really well at the u.s open and uh he's just played really solid in big events this year and i kind of feel bad because he hasn't been able to break through and and win one during this the stretch of great play so i'm going to take him to uh to to win this week hopefully he can he can pull it out
1: I can't believe he hasn't won and he has that many points. Isn't that crazy?
0: It's insane. That I mean, the level of golf you have to play and not to, to not win yeah. and have that many points. Uh, it's hard to explain. I'm not very good at math, but it, mm-hmm. it, you definitely have to have a ton of top five finishes and just be very consistent over the course of the year.
1: Uh, well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he does get a win then because obviously he deserves it if he's playing that well yeah for um sure. who do you have as a, who do you have as a sleeper this week
0: yeah so I'm gonna go with Brian Harman uh, a guy who you know hasn't really uh had a ton of you know big weeks this year but you know he's he's been pretty consistent and he had that chance at the. US open and know that that slipped by but you know he's just such a, a solid ball striker and he's 12th in the in the Cup point standing so we're probably gonna see him for all four events in the FedEx Cup and uh yeah I, I really like him and this is a course that the, the the players don't really know. I mean, it's it's a it's a first time course for the for the PGA Tour, so it's going to be a little bit of unknown. And uh, I like a guy like Brian Harmon has that bulldog mentality. I like him to to play well this week.
1: Gotcha. I'm going to go with Jonas Blix. Okay. Um, he's ranked 77th in the FedEx Cup race. He has one victory under his belt this year. He won the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, but his recent form hasn't been too good. Um, since the Quicken Loans to the Greenbrier to the PGA Championship to the Wyndham, he's gone. Miss cut, miss cut, miss cut, mm. miss cut. Right? Sounds like he's playing well, right? <laughs> but I, I don't know. Isn't that how golf works? Sometimes, like you, you miss all these yeah, cuts, and then miss, somehow miss you of get cuts a win, and then
0: you go and win. That's how it always yeah, so always works.
1: It's it's you, you just never know. So I'm going to go out on a limb this week. I, nothing else has been working for me this year, so i I'm going to just. <laughs> <laughs> go way out there and say Jonas Flix is gonna <laughs> surprise people and play well. You
0: just never know. You just never know. You I mean just, hey you just never know. Who who can tell? I mean, yeah. Just never know. Yeah. Who do you who do you have to uh to miss the cut?
1: Um I'm going Phil Mickelson. Hmm. Um still no win since the was twenty thirteen open championship and hmm. he's been really struggling with his game lately. He didn't play in the US open. He missed the last two cuts. Um at the Open Championship and the PGA, um, he added his brother Tim to the bag and fired his longtime caddy. I, I just, I, I can't see him playing well. His best finish with Tim on the bag is T twenty at the Greenbrier. He's just struggling. I, there's, there's nothing else about it.
0: Yeah, I wonder who his new caddy is going to be. That'll be interesting to see how that unfolds in the off season and and how much gas he has left in the tank. Whether he's going to really play a full schedule in the next few years. You know, he's forty seven now. He's kind of kind of getting up there. We always thought he'd be there forever, but at some point he's probably going to slow down a little bit. So Absolutely. yeah, we'll see. I, I have about, um I have Rory to miss the cut. I, I think wow. this has more to do just with the fact that. You know, when he finished the PGA, he said, you may see me in two weeks. You may not see me for the rest of the year. And that does not inspire a whole lot of confidence <laughs> that he feels healthy. And um, it's been a weird year for him. It just it just has. You know, I know he played pretty well at the uh, Open Championship. You know, he kind of had like a backdoor uh, top 10 finish there. And. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. He just, he really has, just hasn't been able to get anything going because he hasn't been healthy all this year. He's had new equipment. It's been a transition year for him, and I think he'll he'll play a lot better in 2018. But you know, maybe maybe he won't play all that well in the playoffs. It's hard hard to see him you know having confidence in his in his in his health.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess I'd have to agree with you. Just when you say, ah, oh, you might not see me till 2018. It's like, well.
0: Doesn't well, sound good. Okay,
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to play, you know. It, it, yeah, it just doesn't make you want to play. It doesn't make you want to pick him for anything. Mm. Um, but we'll see. And maybe he'll surprise some people. Who knows? Never know. You never know. But uh, that's all the time we have left on the, the podcast this week. Please follow us on our social media feeds, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Global Golf Post and you'll be able to find us. Until next time, Sean and I hit him straight.
0: See you later.